So I intended to put faith under fire to bed last week. But upon further reflection, I realized that there was something I left on the table. And I really don't like leaving things on the table. I, I like to make sure that I've cleared the table. And I believe that this last thing that I need to tell you today is going to be the nice crescendo that we need to really understand what it means to deal with our faith when it is under fire. Allow me just to rerun the series for a moment to remind you of where we have been. Part one asked us to go on a faith-finding mission. Part two told us there is power in presence. Then we had to understand that in part three, faith has enemies. Part four was kind of balancing to that message by telling us that faith needs a partner. Part five last week encouraged us and primed us to go and get it. And I want to bring you part number six. And truly today is going to be the last and final part of faith under fire. And I want to bring this message, not from Joshua chapter 14, but I just want to move over to the next chapter in chapter 15 to look at Caleb one last time. Joshua chapter 15 is a part of the book of Joshua where the people are allocated their inheritance. They get what God has promised. In simple language, the author simply wants to declare, he wants to indicate that what God promises, you are going to possess. That's a whole nother sermon right there, but I'm not going to talk about that in particular this morning. So allow me to bring our attention to Joshua chapter 15, and I want to read verse 13. I want to read verse 14. And I want to read verse number 63. And this morning I'll be reading in the New King James Version of the Bible. Joshua chapter 15, 13, 14, and 63. Here the word of God says, Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely, Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Verse 14 says, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Jump to verse 63 with me, which says, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. I want you to take note of that last phrase, to this day. And for the purposes of sermonic emphasis, I just want to balance verse 14 and verse number 63. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Verse 63, 
As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. Caleb drove them out. Judah, his tribe, could not drive them out. Allow me to impress your mind this morning with the idea, go the distance. Go the distance. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pause. We ask you to inhabit this moment. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with this mortal man. And by your strength and your power, speak to us, O Lord. Somebody here needs to hear about the love of Jesus. Somebody here needs to be encouraged. And I pray that you're able to do that for us this morning. In your name, I humbly ask and I pray. Amen. Faith under fire. Go the distance. I drove an hour and 20 minutes to a beach. When I got to the beach, the security guard told me, Sir, sorry, the beach is closed every Monday for sterilization. Regret splashed upon my face with a frown. I thought to myself, I drove all this distance for nothing. While dealing with this disappointment and this regret of exerting energy and exerting time to come to this beach that I was excited to see, that I had seen on the internet, beautiful pictures and this and that, but the circuit told me you cannot enter. I, I was disappointed. While dealing with this season of regret and disappointment, ahead of me, I saw a restaurant that was open. So I decided to take a pause. Instead of thinking about my regret, I decided to go into the restaurant for a little rejuvenation and nutrition and nourishment. And so I sat in the restaurant I ordered food. I started to masticate and ingest the food into my, my bloodstream and into my uh, digestive machine. And, and my body picked up energy and, and, and the disappointment and the regret turned into a replanning and a readjustment and a repositioning. And the thought knocked on my gray matter. Ding, ding, ding. Why don't you ask the security guard just to allow you to behold the beach? And so I went back to the security guard. I walked up to him and, and I spoke to him I, I, and I presented to him my case as compelling as I could. And I told him, sir, I have traveled for a long distance. Sir, I live far from here. Sir, this is my only opportunity to actually see this beach. Sir, could you please allow me to behold this beautiful beach? And the security guard uh, understood my case and he looked at my situation and he felt my situation and he was empathetic enough to my situation, but he had to deliver those discouraging words again to me. Sir, I'm sorry. According to management, I cannot allow you to go and see and entertain yourself. But if you go a bit further down the road, there are other beaches which I believe might be open for you. Might, might, 
I said to myself, might is better than nothing. And so I went on Google Maps. And sure enough, I looked at Google Maps and I put in another beach. And, and I saw that the beach was about eight kilometers away. And I said, well, I have nothing to lose. And so I, I continued to drive. And, and after completing that eight kilometer journey, I came up to this beach. I turned in. I drove to the parking lot. There was no security guard to disappoint me. I got out of the car. And then all I was greeted with was longing uh, vendors who were wishing and, and, and wanting me to buy their product. They were selling seafood. But I looked at them and I looked at their product. It looked good. But I passed by them. I made myself, I made it down to a ramp. And there it was a white sand beach. It was beautiful. When I looked ahead, all I saw was ocean and ocean for kilometers on end. When I looked to my left, I saw a walk bridge that was hugging tightly to a cliff that allowed you to explore a bit further for you to take good pictures. When I looked to my right, I saw another walk bridge that connected the beach to a Pulau, to an island that allowed you to go up the island and, and to see the, the beach in, a, in, in another angle, for you to see the ocean in another angle. And then when I looked right in front of me, I saw a sea that was at low tide. And at low tide, it revealed beautiful algae. And I spent... At that beach, I spent three hours at the beach. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning, that is when you go the distance, you will see and you realize that there are blessings that you would miss out on if you do not allow yourself to take the distance of faith. I need you to understand this morning that when we travel the journey of faith is that we're going to meet difficulties. We're going to meet challenges. We're going to meet circumstances that might tell you and I do not go ahead. You will come to a situation where you come to that possible job. You come to a situation where there's a possibility of promotion. You come to a situation where there's a possibility for, for, for you to go overseas and to educate yourself. There may be a possible partnership. There may be a possible contract. But when you get to that de desired destination, you'll be told by circumstances, you just missed it. Somebody will tell you that you just missed it by a hair. Uh, right now, sir, it is not the right time. It will tell you that. But God will speak to your existence and to your situation. And he will tell you, my son, go the distance. My daughter, go the distance. My child, go the distance. My beloved one, go the distance. And when you choose and desire to go the distance, what you begin to see and what you realize is that you're going to see the blessings of God for you and for your life. I came to tell you this morning that you need to learn to go the distance because going the distance reveals the blessings that you can miss out on if you turn around. And the life of faith oftentimes will allow 
will call us to go the distance. And I want to tell somebody this morning that do not give in. Do not give up. Continue to go on. God has promised you something. God has promised you something special. And as long as you go on, and as long as you push on, you're going to see the blessings that God is waiting to give to you. And you understand that going the distance climbs in phases. It goes in stages. Now, when we look at the life of Caleb, you begin to see that he went in stages. The first stage was him to explore the land of Canaan. And when he explored the land of Canaan, he saw the viability of the possession. But he was not given the possession because his colleagues refused to go and take that step of faith. So in the next phase, Caleb had to wait for 45 years. And in that phase, Caleb discovered the centrality of the word. That is, he had to grip on to what God had said. And it was a driving factor and the motivator that was keeping him going. But then when he got to the land of promise, there was need to conquer and to take out of the land of promise those who were inhabiting the land and evict them. And there Caleb discovered the reality of the promise. But yet he had not yet received it yet. And I want somebody here to understand this morning that if you haven't received what you are promised, you still have a distance to go. So while Caleb is in the land of promise and he's fighting side by side by his faith partner Joshua, he still did not have his own inheritance. And that's why last week he went to his faith partner and he said to his faith partner, give me this mountain. I want this mountain. And I want somebody here to understand that when you have not yet received what God has promised you, you need to continue to go further. The journey is not over. The, 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 the progress or the process is not yet completed. You need to continue to take the necessary steps until you have in hand the thing that God has promised for you. And I want you to understand that when you continue in the, in, in, in the distance, when you continue in the race, when you continue on, you're going to get, like Caleb, a share of your inheritance. And I love what the text says. Caleb got a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely, Kijath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb got an inheritance among the tribe of Judah. You know about the tribe of Judah. You see, the tribe of Judah is where David and Solomon came from. These are prominent kings and prominent Bible characters. We are still talking about them today. You know about Judah. Judah was that nation that was, a, was able to stand on its own two feet. When the ten tribes decided to go on their way, Judah decided to stay and be by itself and stood its ground and followed the will of God, a prominent tribe. You know about Judah. Judah is the tribe of Jesus. It is a tribe that preserved the lineage of the Messiah. And I'm so glad that this morning, this morning, Caleb was given a piece 
among the most prominent tribe in Israel. Because this morning, I have to tell you that going the distance with God produces prominence. Like Caleb, you will have an inheritance of prominence. God does not give you sloppy seconds. God gives you prominent firsts. God gives you prominent firsts. He doesn't give you sloppy seconds. God does not give you hand-me-downs. God doesn't give you something that he doesn't want. God gives you prominence. Can you just say amen for God right there? <laughs> you see, because God is interested in giving you the very, very best. And this morning, I need you to understand that when you go with God, you will see that you will get the very best. And that is why you should not let go of God. That is why you should not give up on God. That is why you should not write, uh, you should not, you should not write off God. That is why you need to say, God with you, I'm going to continue on. It is amazing to me that Caleb got an inheritance among the children of Judah. Caleb no longer was a wanderer in the desert, but he was a settler. He had a piece of land and he settled down. And I want you to understand that God's permanent inheritance for you is a permanent inheritance. You're going to settle down. You're no longer going to move around anymore. I have news for you this morning. Any prominence that you may get in this world is not a permanent prominence. You see, a CEO only remains prominent if he's performing. A, an athlete only remains prominent if he is performing. A company only remains prominent if it is performing. And some of us remain prominent in other people's lives if we are performing in giving them what they want from us. Or you remain prominent in this world for a temporary season. And also sometimes you will lose things from people. Sometimes you will lose something that was dear to you because that is how the word works. But when you have prominence with God, it's not only a prominent first, it is a permanent first. Hallelujah, somebody. Because God wants you and him to understand and he wants you to understand that he is interested in you. And he wants to keep you. And he wants to give you what you should have. And so brother and sister, hear me today. You need to go the distance with God. Because when you get there, <laughs> because when you get what God is promising you, it is prominent. And it is permanent. You see, when I got to the beach that I wanted to visit the first time, I read rave reviews on the net. It was a great beach. It was a, it was a nice beach. But I was not able to go there. But the beach that I ended up at was the right beach. It provided exploration and relaxation. And I believe that it was the beach that God had commanded over my life. I'm about to help somebody right here. It was the beach that God had commanded over my life. 
God had envisioned as I was driving and I was moving. He had envisioned that you don't go to beach A, you're going to go to beach B. God had envisioned that you don't go to beach number one. Your, your, your desire, your option, you're going to go to my option. You're going to go to my desire. And here is the beautiful thing. Caleb got a share according to the command of God. He got a share that God had predicted for his life that Hebron, that Kirjath Arba was something that he didn't choose, but it is something that God envisioned for Caleb. And so I want somebody here to understand that when something is closed, know that it's not what God commands over your life. <laughs> when something is not working out, know that that is not what God has commanded over your life. When you cannot get the promotion, that's because God hasn't commanded a promotion over your life. When you cannot get that spot, it's because the spot is not is not commanded over your life. If you cannot get that contract, it's because it is not commanded over your life. If you cannot get that mortgage, it is because it is not commanded over your life. If you can't get it, it simply means that God has a better option. It means that God wants to bring you to a better situation and i want somebody here to understand that when it doesn't work out it means that god is working it out if it doesn't work out it means that god is planning something else and all you need to do this morning all you need to believe and understand is i need to go the distance because whatever god opens for your life is not closable. Revelation says that I have the keys that I can open a door and no man can shut. And I can close a door that no man can open. And that's what I want you to understand about God. And this morning I came to tell you that like Caleb, you have an inheritance. You have something that God has given to you. Because you believed in Jesus, the true Joshua, he is giving you an inheritance. And this inheritance is protected. It doesn't sneeze when the stock market catches a cold. It doesn't need insurance. It doesn't need an armored vehicle. It's God protected. I want you to understand that I'm not talking about a literal inheritance like the land of Canaan. I'm talking about an inheritance that is of a spiritual nature. You will not live among uh, the children of Judah. You will not be a part of a tribe in Israel. You are going to live among the lion of the tribe of Judah called Jesus. And I want somebody to understand this morning that the, 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 the experience or the inheritance with the lion of the tribe of Judah, it's moving faster than the speed of light. Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon. And one day we're going to see him in the clouds. And we're going to hear that, uh, that, that trumpet call. And we're going to rise up. And there we're going to meet Jesus and be with him for the rest of our lives. We're going to be in the presence of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And somebody here needs to understand that this world, you will have inheritances. In this world, you will have things. But the things of this world will go away. We are born. Yes, we live. We, we cry. But that inheritance of life can end in death. 
Now, sometimes people inherit material wealth and prosperity, but bankruptcy can take it away. But sometimes people get things in this world, but they end up losing them. But here with the, our inheritance, our, our time with Jesus, our time with the line of tribe of Judah is not going to be lost. And if there's anything that COVID-19 has taught me, is that things can be lost. Is that we can lose things. But I'm glad this morning that our inheritance does not suffer from mismanagement. It does not suffer from fraud or poverty. It is protected. And I'm glad that I believe in the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm glad I believe in someone who is powerful and mighty. That in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my lack, that Jesus Christ, the line of the tribe of Judah, goes before me. And he fights for me. And he looks out for me. And he has my back. And no matter what may attack me, God has my back. And I want somebody here to know this morning that God has your back too. God has the back of your family. God has the back of your church. God has the back of your company. God has the back of your health. God is taking care of you. He is with you. And no matter what may come, and no matter what struggles may come, the devil might roar like a lion. But when he meets the lion of the tribe of Judah, <laughs> the devil has to back up because he knows he has met his match. You see, Caleb received the inheritance. What that means is he did not work for it. <laughs> I'm about to help somebody right here. Caleb did not punch in the clock. He did not get a job. But it was something that was given to him. He simply received it without exertion. I'm going somewhere. You see, the inheritance that God has for you, it, it, it only is acquired by reception, not exertion. And salvation is like an inheritance that is given to us, not because of our goodness, but by the grace of God. It is given to us because of God's love and God's care for us. All we simply do is to receive what God has promised. And I want to help somebody who is hustling in their faith right now. I want to help somebody who is on their knees and praying every day, thinking that my praying, thinking that my reading, thinking that my church activities, my spirituality make me good. I'm here to tell you that it is not that way. I'm here to tell somebody who is interested in living a holy life, and doing what is right. I'm here to tell you that your right doing and your holy life does not buy you or give you the inheritance. But what I'm here to tell you is that when you have received the inheritance, having that inheritance propels you to take care of what God has given you. But you must accept it first by the gift of God. Understanding that God has worked in my life. He has brought Jesus down from heaven who took that scare case of humility to walk and climb up Mount Golgotha. Jesus Christ has done all that for me. And because he has done all that for me, I will now realize that I do not do this on my own, but whatever I need to go, the next steps that God is taking me to, he is going to be the one working for me because it is him who works in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. So yes, my brother and my sister, you have an inheritance 
It is a beautiful one this morning. And God wants to, to give it to you. And you see the reason of this, and the reason why uh, God is, 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 the reason why Caleb asked for this inheritance, because he understood something, that God requires going the distance. Now when Caleb got his inheritance, it was given to him, we, we read very interesting information, and that it had inhabitants. The Anakims were, were living there. They were staying there. And when you look at the size of the Anakims, you begin to see that most of them would have been about seven feet tall. And Caleb and most of the people in those times were six feet and above. Basically, we're going to compare Shaquille O'Neal to myself. They were tall, they were big, and they were strong. But Caleb understood that these giants must be expelled. They must be expunged. They must be flushed out. They must be taken out of the land. They must be driven out. And the text says, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. He drove them out from there. Now, our scholars have asked the question, why did Caleb drive out the inhabitants of the land? Why did Caleb not show them mercy and actually say, you know what, I can make a, an alliance with these descendants of Anak. I mean, they're big, they're strong. I mean, I don't have that big of an army. I think, you know, we can create a partnership. Why did Caleb do that? He could have been like the Romans who had a policy of enslavement. The people that they conquered became their slaves. The people that they conquered, they made them pay high taxes to continue expanding and building their empire. And we know that the Roman Empire was a great empire. I mean, Caleb could have thought as a strategic uh, action, let me not expand useless energy. Anyway, these guys fear us because we've already defeated Jericho. All we have to do is make a, a partnership and move on. Caleb could have done all of that. But Caleb did not live by strategies. <laughs> Caleb did not live, Frankie, by strategies. Caleb lived by the policies of God. <laughs> Caleb understood that my life is God's life. Caleb understood and he lived by the motto, take my life and let it be wholly consecrated to thee. Caleb understood as we sing, I am yours, forever yours. And so whatever God dictated and directed over the life of Caleb, Caleb did that thing. And he understood a policy of God. And that is those who stay on the land because the earth and its fullness belongs to, to God. Those who stay on the land, if they do not live according to my wishes, if they do not live according to my will, they cannot be on the land. And so Caleb understood that the policy of God required him to remove and to evict the three sons of Anak. I'm going somewhere with this. And I want you to understand that God has a specific form 
or function. God has a specific policy. God's policies are clear and they are straight. And if you and me believe in God, if our lives are committed to God, we will want to fulfill and do the policies of God. And so the people who were living on this land, the Anakims, the three sons of Anak, and I say their names again, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, had become morally bankrupt. They were sacrificing children to their gods. They were committing uh, sexual immorality. They were worshiping other idols. Basically, they were serving themselves, and they were not serving God. They were serving their own interests, not the interests of God. And, and therefore, Caleb was an instrument in the hand of God to expunge these inhabitants. Just like Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon was an instrument in the hand of God to expel Judah to Babylon because God does not play favorites. Because God's policy applies to everybody. Hallelujah, somebody. God is no respecter of persons. God sees me as he sees you. It doesn't matter if I'm a pastor and you're a church member. It doesn't matter if you're president. <laughs> it doesn't matter your position in, in, in life. God doesn't see rank or position or status or prestige. God sees one thing, human beings. And therefore, if human beings do not align with the will of God, God has to say, we have to get rid of these people. I have to show you that my justice cannot allow you to enjoy my gifts without you fulfilling your end of the bargain. So really, in reality, I want you to understand, do not miss this. This is, mm, this is, this is something. You see, the reason why God would want Caleb to evict the three sons of Anak is because he wanted to see if Caleb was willing to live by his policy. And that's the situation that I want you to understand about going the distance. That is, going the distance requires, is, is a requirement by God as a test of our faithfulness. You see, Caleb could have gotten Hebron he could have settled down. He could have made an alliance, an association with the people living there. But God wanted to see, would Caleb continue and fulfill my purpose? Will he be willing to go to the very end and actually ensure that him and I are in a right relationship? And so I want you to understand that the reason why God did not remove all of the inhabitants from the land of Canaan is because he wanted Israel to be faithful enough to remove things from their inheritances and from their land. I'm here to bring something to you. Some things, God is not going to remove them. Some things, God is not going to remove them. Those things are your duty and your responsibility to remove. 
That is why you never see a hand from heaven turn off your TV. <laughs> that is why you never see a hand from heaven take away whatever you're drinking. Take away whatever you're eating. That is why you don't see God step in when you're about to do something wrong. Because God understands and he expects you to use your gray matter. He expects you to use your frontal lobe. He expects you to use your thinking so that you can make the right decisions. Because it is when you make those right decisions that you develop and you grow in your character. And when you do what God requires, it shows that you are committed to him. It shows that you are faithful. I spoke to a manager of a, of a, I spoke to a manager one time and, and I was, I was speaking to the manager and, and, and the manager told me something that helped me to see how God functions. The manager said to me, you see, the base salary of my employees is about six million. No, the, the base salary of my employees is about $3 million. But an employee can work faithfully in a month and earn $6 million. Because if we made the base salary $6 million, employees will take shortcuts. They will not come to work. They will not do what they're supposed to do. And therefore, they would cheat us. So if an employee is not faithful in coming to work and putting in the hours, they're only going to get the amount that they have worked for. So I want you to understand that sometimes in our lives, God will function like a manager. He will function in such a way that he wants to see what you will do. He wants to see if you'll be faithful enough in praying. He wants to see if you're faithful enough in coming to church. He wants to see if you're faithful enough in putting him as, as, as that first element in your life. He wants to see if you're going to take him faithfully and you're going to take him seriously. And when he can see that, my goodness, this person is dedicated to me. My goodness, this person is committed to me. Guess what? God will give you the blessing that you want and the blessing that you need. And so some of us are leaving blessings on the table because we are not willing to go the distance in our faithfulness. And so some things will only come when you have gone the distance in carrying out the will of God. You're wondering why it's not coming? Check if you're really going the distance in your faith. You're wondering why you're not getting it? Check if you're going the distance in your faith. You're wondering why you're not getting elevated? Check if you're going the distance in your faith. You're wondering why it is not changing and turning around? Check if you're going the distance in your faith. Because the real issue is that God wants to see if this person and me, are we really moving in step or am I going ahead and he's expecting me or she's expecting me to do all the work? No. God has something for you to do. And it's only when you will do your part that some things are going to matriculate. Some things are going to rain down on you. See, the word to drive out means to gain control of an area. And so Caleb understood that I need to ensure that God does not only have control of me, but God has control over what I, over what I own. God has control over what I earn. God has control over my property and my possessions. God is the one who is, who is in charge and, and take care, taking care of, of, my, of me. And therefore, he deserves to be in control of everything. So understand me this morning that God should not only control you. He should control everything you touch. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Pastor, should God control my, my phone? Yep. Pastor, should God control how I, I surf on the net and what I look at? Yeah, yeah, he should. Should God control my posts? Should God control what I, what I say? Yeah, he should. Should God control my car? Mm-hmm, he should. <laughs> you know, everything that you touch, God should be able to touch. And so Caleb understood that I need to ensure that I touch. God also touches. Caleb understood that if I feel it, God has to be able to feel it. But here's something that I need you to see is that when Caleb went to explore the land 45 years before, when he got to Hebron, he saw there Shammai, Sheshmai, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. They were still living there. When he comes, he, he gets there 45 years later, guess what? Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai are still living there. And so I began to understand something. That what is not defeated, what is not defeated before is still going to live in the present. So if you don't defeat an enemy, you don't defeat an enemy until you confront the enemy. So Caleb understood as long as I allow this enemy to live, as long as I don't confront my issues, as long as I don't confront my problems, these problems are still going to live today. And there are people listening to me right now. You have not confronted the things of the past. You have not confronted the things of yesterday. And because you have not yet confronted the things of yesterday, they are still troubling you today. Because you did not confront the issues, you did not confront the anakims, today you are still dealing with those same issues. But it's only when you say, I'm going to face my enemies. It's only when you say I'm going to face my challenges that God gives you the power and the ability to overcome. Somebody here needs to face that instability and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow it to affect me today. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to face my pride today so that it doesn't affect me in my future. Somebody here needs to say, I'm going to face my, my overspending so that it doesn't affect my retirement in the future. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to face that person so that me and him are in a good relationship. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to face my issues today so that they do not seep into my tomorrow. Now, obviously, we know that struggles, challenges are not easy. For Caleb to fight these giants, he was 85 years old. It wasn't easy. And that is why today people go to AAA because facing challenges, giants, is not easy. That is why today people have accountability partners because they understand it is, it is not easy. That is why people make elaborate plans today to, to try to keep themselves safe and, and sane because they understand that facing giants is not easy. But that's the beauty of it because God had predicted God had predicted years before that the giants that you're going to face in the land, they're going to be defeated. And so he told this to Israel. He said, hear, O Israel, you have to cross over the Jordan today and go in to dispossess the nations greater and mightier than you. Cities great and fortified up to heaven. A people great and tall, the descendants of 
Anakim, whom you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? And so Caleb, hear me carefully, Caleb acted based upon the articulated word of God. So he saw, oh my goodness, God has said, I'm going to defeat the Anakims. Guess what? I'm going to defeat the Anakims. And therefore, he did not need to craft his own vision. He did not need to make his own plan. He followed the will of God based upon what God had articulated. And so, brother and sister, hear me this morning. That if you want victory in your life, you need to follow the articulated word of God. The word of God says, I own a cat on a thousand hills. What that means is, when I am broke, I can go to God and God is going to fill my bank account. It does not mean that there are going to come millions of repair in my bank account, but God is going to provide exactly what I need in the season in which I need it. When you hear the word of God says that I can create in you a clean heart and I can make you new, guess what? Go to God and ask him to create in you a clean heart and change your situation. When God says do not fear, guess what? Don't fear because you are living your life on the acute articulated word of God. And therefore you need to act based upon that. And brother and sister, hear me. When you act upon the articulated word of God, guess what? Victory is assured. And too many of us, we are weak. We are defeated because we do not act upon the word of God. And we tell ourselves, victories and miracles happened in the past. We don't see Red Seas dry today. We don't see Jericho walls fall today. We don't see people resurrected from the day from the dead today. But I got news for your bruised faith. I got news for your bruised eagles. I got news for your drooping faith and your, your depressed faith. That God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God does not change. The change is in you and me because what happens is when God has not acted based upon what we think, we say, no, God doesn't love me anymore. When God doesn't do what we want, we say, oh, God is not on my side. But we, what we don't realize is that what does not work out is simply not the best option. God is thinking about another option. What we need to do like Caleb is hold on to the word of God and act based upon what God has articulated. Is this a waiting season for you? Wait. Should you take a step of faith? Do it. I don't know what God is speaking to your life. But what you need to do is you need to know that you must act based upon the articulated word of God. You see, God understands that one of the challenges is when we do not go the distance, we're going to meet challenges. There are pearls, there are difficulties, and there are dangers that might face us. And Caleb understood the perils. He understood the dangers. And that is why Caleb decided to drive out the inhabitants of the land. That's why Caleb said, these have to go. I have to evict them. Unfortunately, his tribe did not understand this peril. They did not understand this difficulty. And in verse 63, we read, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem until this day.
Caleb was able to drive them out. But the children of Judah could not drive them out until this day. And this is a reality of fact. Many are haunted today because they failed to deal with their issues of yesterday. Yesterday still affects people today. Because they failed to deal with those issues. And what you do not confront today is going to remain for tomorrow. What you do not fix today is going to fix you tomorrow. And Caleb understood this, but his tribe did not understand this. You know what they did? They decided to make alliances. They decided to make associations with the Jebusites and all of these people. When God says, do not make alliances, drive them out. They decided, like many of us, let's be tolerant. You know, let's love everybody. Let, let's, let's be nice to everybody. You know, let's show love to everybody. I understand that. But there are times when love is not what you need. It is justice that is needed. There are times when love is not what you need, but judgment that is needed. There are times when love is not what you need, but clear, decisive action because there is a peril. And what happened to the Israelites is that all throughout their life, they were trying to find themselves. Sometimes God could not recognize them. Who were they? The Philistines? Sidonians or the Syrians, who were they? They were, they were always lost because they did not drive out their enemies. They did not deal with their issues. But here's the saddest fact of it all. Notice this. The Lord was with Judah. That means the same resources that Caleb possessed are the same resources that people of Judah had. And notice what it says. And they drove out the mountaineers. But they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland. And this is amazing. They achieved success in the difficult terrain. But they failed to achieve success in the low terrain. Because they were focusing on chariots. Chariots. You know, weapons and things that they didn't have. They were focusing on chariots. But God never had problems with chariots. Talk about Sisera. Sisera, who, who brought his chariots, but Deborah uh, was able to defeat him. So God has never had problems with chariots. Pharaoh's chariots drowned in the Red Sea. God has never had problems with chariots. But you see, those who fail to act on God's articulated word focus on the challenges. They focus on the chariots. Oh Lord, I know, but no. Lord, this and that. They, they focus on the challenges. But the challenges are precisely there. And, and, and because they are there, that is when you need to exercise faith. The challenges are a challenge for you to go in faith. And therefore, when you're faced with a challenge, that is actually the best time for you to act in faith. Let, let, me, let me make it plain. When... when, when the, the, when the company says we are not hiring or when the company says this is not the right time, that is precisely the time that you need to act. Should you continue to push or go look for a job in another place? I don't know. But when the challenge comes, when you're facing the mountain, don't be like, oh, it's too hard, it's too difficult. It is time when you need to fire up your faith engines and go on with God. Because you act and live based upon the word of God. Because the last time that I checked, faith is the victory faith allows us to win 
Faith allows us to get the W. Faith allows us to climb up on the mountain. And I'm glad this morning that Jesus is still the author and the finisher of our faith. He must begin with us. He must continue with us. He must end with us. As long as Jesus is your captain, as long as Jesus is leading you, you are going to overcome and achieve. The belief is that you believe that God can take you up. God can elevate you. And so faith is a victory. I'm reminded this morning of a, of a boy. He was sick and he was, he was dying with epilepsy. A father goes to the disciples of Jesus and he says to him, please heal my son. But they fail. So the father went to Jesus himself and said, Jesus, I went to your disciples, but they failed. And so Jesus rebuked his disciples and he says to them, oh, faithless generation. Oh, faithless generation. And that's the problem right there. Why we do not go the distance because we are faithless. Oh, faithless generation. And Jesus goes on to heal this, this young boy and he expels this epilepsy he drives it out and this is the good news this morning jesus can drive it out jesus can push it out jesus can help you go the distance jesus can be with you in your struggles i don't know what it is this morning i don't know what you're facing this morning but i'm simply here to tell you that with jesus it can go out with jesus it can be defeated because when you do not allow you do not go the distance when you fail in driving out your enemies and dealing with your issues you are impeding your own progress but this morning i came to tell you go the distance do not give in do not give up and allow jesus to empower you to the next level. Somebody here needs to drive out something. Somebody here needs to drive out someone. Somebody here needs to do something to change their situation. And I'm telling you today that if you can only decide that I'm going to go the distance, you're going to see changes happen in your life. Go the distance. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. For this moment. We want to go the distance in our faith. And we are asking you to do that for us this morning. Because we cannot go the distance on our own. Caleb did it. Father, we don't know how we can do it. But Father, we ask you to help us to do it. May you help us. May you direct us. And may you lead us. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your care. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you.